familiar text, Psalm 23. Theme I'm going to try to deal with on this morning is my shepherd king. I want to make this personal, so I need you to say, my shepherd king. Because when you read this psalm, it's used first person pronoun in there, saying the Lord is my shepherd. Is he your shepherd? Well, then, if he is your shepherd, then let's make this thing personal. We see it clearly in the the King James Version, how it reads, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Isn't that good news? He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anoints my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My shepherd king. As we look at this text, I want to point out that we first going to look at our Lord as the shepherd. And then secondly, we'll look at him as our host. But I want you to first look at him as our shepherd. And I want you to see that in this text as the shepherd, he protects, he provides, he perks up the sheep, he pilots the sheep, and he's present with the sheep. First, I want to point out that before we go any further, he simply says the Lord is my shepherd. Is is pointing out that he is not past tense, but present tense. Is is pointing out that this is existing right now. Is suggests that this is the standing relationship that I have with my God, that he is my shepherd. This psalm is a credit to David. We are familiar with David. David was a shepherd boy. When Samuel went looking for the next king, all the other brothers came in. But David was out watching the sheep. All the other ones came in tall, looked very attractive and older and more mature. But it was a young, ruddy shepherd boy that God chose to be king. Being a shepherd is nothing new to this terminology and to this context. If you are familiar with King Tuck and Kama, you remember King Tut? You look at his golden coffin, his arms are crossed, he has a rod and a staff. The shepherd crook shows the power of the king. And that the king is supposed to be the incarnate of their God. And so if they are, God is a shepherd, they too should be a shepherd. So therefore they entomb themselves and walk around and make pictures showing them with a crook, with a crook, showing them having a staff like they are a shepherd, but they're not the true king. So this is not anything new to them. They understood to be a shepherd was equating to being a king, to be supreme, to be the ruler, to oversee the sheep. But David took it to a high level because he knew that God, the true living God, he is the true shepherd. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Jesus went and clarified everybody, I am the good shepherd. This good is is a qualifier. I'm I'm taking my time. I'm going to get to the text. But this good is a qualifier because Jesus said to somebody, saying good teacher, and Jesus pointed out there's no one good but the Father. 
to help to qualify when he says the good shepherd, he's equating himself with God as the good shepherd. So when you know the shepherd, then you know first he protects. The sheep, the shepherd's main job is to look after the sheep. The sheep, let's look at the sheep for a moment. The sheep, we always say they're dumb animals. Yeah, they, they're dumb. All right. But let's not be too hard on the sheep because they're just like us. <laughs> Look what the sheep do when they don't have anything else to do. They butt heads with one another. Mm. Anybody be butting heads with those in your own family, huh? They ram heads at each other, especially when it comes time to see who's the big sheep in the, in the fold. Whoever can ram the, ram the hardest gets the food first. You know somebody like that. Always wants to be first. Will throw their weight around, let you know who's in charge. And the chicken we call the pecking order, the sheep they have at the ramming order. They ram you back. And so you see that big sheep come, they move away. Go ahead and eat. We as sheep do the same thing amongst one another. But the shepherd sees that and tries to stop the sheep from bullying one another so that they can rest and be at peace. Isn't that like God telling us how we should love one another so we can get along? And work together. See, he oversees the well-being of the sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. He sees that all the conditions are at their best. He makes sure that the pasture is green. He makes sure they get enough water. And then he also overlooks their wool to make sure the wool is properly taken care of. As the sheep protects, he protects them from a lot of things. He protects them from wild animals. We see that even David pointed out that Saul, I can defeat Goliath because as a shepherd boy, I am familiar with dealing with the enemy. The enemy came after my sheep. I defeated the enemy. The enemy happened to be a lion. It happened to be a bear. But with my hands, I smoked them both. Somebody need to get excited. Here we see here that David is saying, I am familiar with being a shepherd and protecting the sheep. Look here, just back in Genesis, early when Cain is acting a fool, God tells him the enemy's crouching at his door. Crouching is similar to what a lion does. Crouches. Y'all not with me, okay. The Bible tells us that the devil's like a lion sinking whom he may devour. Uh, I got a few more with me. We see here the enemy is walking to and fro in Job, just walking around, just trying to find somebody to accuse. You see here, the shepherd is aware of the enemy, and he can defeat the enemy. Look at another judge or ruler, Samson. What's his claim to fame? He barehandedly destroyed a lion. This was a, a terminology that was welcome to the shepherd. The shepherd can only be a shepherd if he's able to defeat a lion or a bear. Because they were the wild animals that came after the sheep. You see how the shepherd protects. It's, a, it's an understood. If you are a shepherd, then you are able to protect the sheep from whatever may come. 
That's why Jesus as the good shepherd talking about I am the shepherd, but the hirelings, they run off. They have no stake in the sheep. They don't care about the sheep. But I, Jesus, uh, can you get personal? My Jesus, he cares about me. And nothing catches him by surprise. See, because all the sheep need to be taken care of. It says, oh, and so we see that in, in, in verse 2. It says that he maketh me lie down in green pastures and leading me beside the still waters. As he, as he provides, we also see here that in order for him to overlook and protect the sheep, he has to make sure they lie down. Sheep do not lie down if their bellies are empty. You don't lie down when your belly is empty. But you get that full stomach. Some, come on, somebody. Shoes come off. <laughs> you unbutton something. <laughs> you slouch down. And it's lights out. It's good when you have a stomach full. The sheep make sure, the shepherd makes sure the sheep has some sustenance, has some food, but not only that. Also, the shepherd has to overlook and make sure that pets don't mess with the sheep. Y'all know some pets in y'all lives. Things that just irritate you. Get on your last nerves. Shoe fly. We get things that just irritate it. You know, there's that always a fly. There always seems to be, always be like one fly when you're outside on the cookout. It might be a hundred of them, but always there's one that want to bother with you. Every time you want to take another bite, it's right there by your face. Just messing with you. You can't rest. Same thing with sheep, parasites, and incest. We get around the sheep, and they won't rest because they are infected by these pestilence. These pests can bring diseases. Come on, somebody. There's pests in our life that God is making sure he can keep away from us because we let them sneak in. They bring diseases in our life. What are some pests? Some pests such as lies can bring hatred, animosity, and destroy families. Some pests like lust can bring adultery, fornication, and destroy families. You see what I'm saying? Pests can get up in here. So the shepherd's looking and saying, look here. Don't give the devil a foothold. So the sheep can rest, lay down the still waters, meaning that the water is easy to get to. It's not rough water. Have anybody ever been to a broken water fountain? Broken water fountain, hard to get water from. As memory serves me, I remember we had a water fountain that was broken here at the church. Some of y'all didn't want to laugh, but it's all right, though. I know about that water fountain. And I knew how to work that water fountain. I would, I would hold it like this, put my arm across the water fountain, be on the other side, and push the button all the way down, and the water fell in my throat. I knew how to work that bad boy. And then when I had fun with it, I put my cup on one side, and push it real hard, and let the water just go right into the cup. It was broken, so I had to work it out to make it work for me. Other water fountains, you go to school. The fountain was so small, you knew you had to get on your tippy toes when you were short like me and, and bend over just a little bit so you can get enough water in your mouth. It was hard to get it. But when you go to still water, when you get some nice cool water in a pitcher, you can pour right into a cup and you drink it. Oh, that's nice and refreshing. But when you got to work for the water, you'd rather not get water. Because when we had that broken water down the water fountain, you could get water or you can get pop. We put money in the pop machine. So no, I pay a quarter, 50 cents to put up. My mom gave me money for my offering. Yes, I went to the soda machine. <laughs> we, t- we, we make stuff easy for us, convenient for when things are hard. But God said, I will make it easy for you. 
I will take you besides the still waters. And then look at how he is. He, he provides for us not only with the food, but with protection, but also with our water. But when he does all that, he restores our soul. We sing different songs. My soul says, yes, my soul is anchored in the Lord. The soul means your whole well-being, how he refreshes you. He restores. Another word that can be in there to say is an act of repentance, how God will bring you back within the fold. Does that sound familiar in the Bible? Jesus says, I will leave the 99 for the one. And when he restores that sheep, he says he's showing up, called everybody. And throughout a celebration. Do you understand how he, as a shepherd, he's overseeing the flock. But if he does see you stray, he will go get you. So that he can restore you. Restore you means to give you vigor. Give you strength. To give you life. Look, look again at the sheep. If a sheep leaves his green pastures and goes off away from his protection, is now has a potential and the ability to become frail, become weak with not enough food, might be injured by another wild beast or animal, may get caught up in shrubs and bristles because it's woolly fur. So the shepherd has to go out and maybe untangle the sheep because they got caught up in a briar bush. Or maybe he has to tend to it and take care of it to make sure that it heals itself when he brings it back and restores it back to his help. And then we see how God talks about how he took the children of Israel, how he says in Isaiah 40 and chapter says, how I will gently walk with you. I will carry the baby lambs. I'll make sure I don't go too fast. I can see my God uh, realizing when I've been weak, when I've gone off astray, gently coming to me and seeing to my news and restoring my strength. Can anybody else testify to that? How he does that. Because when he restores us, then he becomes our pilot. Because he, he perks us up, gets us excited. You know how like pep rallies do, right? They get you excited. So you go out to the game and root for your team. He perks us up. He makes us glad to be back in the fold. Our soul is revived, and then he pilots us. He pilots us down the path of righteousness or the right path. But either way, how you look at it, it's, bottom line is this. Only God can lead you in the right direction. Past may be look crooked. Past may look rough. Past may look hard. But he can show you how to make it through. And when he shows you how to make it through, he's doing it so that you bring glory to his name. Young men in the house, young men understand about having a namesake. Y'all want to have a son, and you have a son, you give him your name, you want him to have your name, you want to see your name passed on. There's something about that name. Because the key thing that I remember I hear in dad say that when you get arrested, it's going to be my name in that paper. <laughs> they say your name. Said, but my name. Yes. To point out the standpoint, I have a reputation, and they know me. And by the actions you do, they're going to reflect on me. But God is letting us know, you are my children, you are my sheep, and I will show you where to go that you can bring glory to my name. Yes. If you need a little help, another disclaimer: you were made for His glory. Yes. So if you ever lose path, and you think it's about your name, it's to think about your title. And come again. It's about God. Back to our current message at hand. And so we see how he'll pilot us and guide us on the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Y'all see that? And then look at this. The shepherd's presence. Even as he pilots me, 
and I go through dark valleys. I go through dark valleys. They translate as the valleys of the shadow of death. Why, why would it even be like that? Well, who stays in the dark? You don't see a lion that's coming out in the daylight saying, here you go, antelope, I'm ready to eat you. They hide out in shady areas trying to be covered up. They work in stealth as sheep. Sheep have no defense. They're not swift animals. They can't run too far. They can butt one another, but they go butt a lion. A lion's going to open up his mouth. Oh, thank you. The sheep are relying on the shepherd. And they realize, saying that, though I go through the valley of shadow of death, I'm so excited because you are with me. Your rat, your staff, they comfort me with saying this, that since you got your weapon with you, I'm not worried about it. And on top of that, you're with me. Do you see that in the text? It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod, thy staff, they come from me. Look, look how the shepherd can walk with his staff and how he can maybe, he has a, a lead sheep that leads him through a thin valley. A lead sheep that leads him through a thin valley. And all he needs to do with his staff is stretch out and gently touch that sheep on the shoulder to keep him on the right path. It comforts him. It guides him. The sheep gets off the right path. He just simply tents, tucks him in, says, no, nope, come this way. I was reading another text. The shepherd says he has a favorite sheep. His sheep that lays in the right. And with that favorite sheep, he keeps his staff on that sheep. And that sheep loves that. It tends to that. What did Jesus say that my sheep know my voice? And the answer me, the sheep know the touch is so special. That sheep that gets real close to the master. And he's up on his roster. Oh, we in good comfort today. Anybody here want to be close to the shepherd? Can you say his rod, his staff, they comfort me? He made it personal here. He didn't say the other sheep. He said me. See, see, sometimes I get arrogant. Sometimes I get proud with my God. I say, I know he's blessing me. So I can't speak for you. I don't know what you're going through, but I can testify. So no, he's been good to me. I, I told you we're going to be personal today. The psalm says the Lord is my shepherd. I write about it. So is he your shepherd? He can say he's so no. <laughs> protects and guides. You can talk to me if you will. He protects and he guides me. You can say me. Yes, he does. Oh, thank you, Lord. Because he does it. Even when we can't, he knows we're unable to. He knows we're in desperate situations in our lives. But he says, I will be with you. Even so much, he said that they will call Jesus Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Aren't you glad that he's with us? That means that no matter what you're going through in life, God is there. He is there in such a way because he's the shepherd. Look, look again at shepherd and sheep. Sheep are smaller than the shepherd. Therefore, the sheep, shepherd has the high ground. And since the shepherd has the high ground, he can oversee the whole terrain. And since he can oversee the whole terrain, he knows where you need to go. And he can see how he can get you there. Since he can oversee the whole terrain, he knows where it's good for you to lay down. And he knows where it's good for you to move to. A good shepherd makes sure that the sheep do not destroy their pasture. They have to graze because they stay in one area. It's going to destroy that pasture. And then that's going to destroy everything that they have. Because they got to rotate. 
So they eat a little bit here. They go over to another area. That way the other place can grow back and they can come back there. You see how the shepherd knows how to take care of things? You see how the shepherd did that for the children of Israel? He says that I have a place for your land of milk and honey flowing with milk and honey, but you did not prepare. I prepared it for you. And so much so, I'm not going to drive out those who are there because they're taken care of before you get there. I should have got a few more than that. Here I'm trying to tell you as the shepherd, he knows where you want to be, but he knows what you need. And he will pro- prepare and provide for you in such a way that when you get there, all you can say is, thank you, Lord. You see, he is the good shepherd. And then as you're looking at the shepherd, then we're going to move on to the host. But I want to close as we look at the shepherd. Look how he takes after the sheep with his staff and his rod. I was reading that the shepherd inspects the sheep with his staff. That he will pass under his rod. And when he passed under his rod, he will split open their wool with his staff to look deep down to the skin. And to see if there might be some uh, fleas, mites, ticks, anything inside of the wool. And if there is, then he has to cut off the wool so that they won't be infected and infect one another. Even that sometimes a shepherd has to inspect the wool with the staff and sometimes the wool becomes too heavy. That it becomes so heavy that the sheep cannot walk. And the sheep cannot walk and they fall down. They fall sometimes on their backs with their bellies up. They can't get up from that. And they fall that way because the wool is too heavy. And when the wool gets too heavy, the shepherd has to come by and again clip off the wool from the sheep. I heard the good shepherd say, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. <laughs> Come and lay down your burdens <laughs> and, and find rest for your soul. And you see another thing about the wool. Sometimes the wool gets too big for you. That it gets easily entangled uh, as you walk along the path. And as this wool gets caught up on thorns and briars, the shepherd has to cut the wool again so you won't be so easily beset or where it's entangled you before. I heard the good shepherd saying that, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And my Father prunes you so that you bear much fruit. Do you see how it all works out? He is the good shepherd. So as the good shepherd takes care of the sheep, he stacks it up another level. He says, not only is my God a good shepherd, he's a great host. How is he a great host? I'm glad you asked. In the presence of my enemies, he prepares a table for me. How that translates, in the presence of everybody who's against me, who wants to kill me, who slanders me, who talks about me, talks about my mama, my daddy, my brother, and my sister, that's all right. My God has made a feast for me. Other times when your enemies are around you, you hurry up and eat so you can get on. But when my God is making a table for me, I, I wave at my enemies and say, you can't have none of this <laughs> because he prepared it for me. Is that what the text says? Is that what the text says? Come on, y'all can talk to me. Is that what the text says? Say for me. Say for me. So you can realize that the enemy is going to try to beset you, come around you, trap you, talk about you. But all you got to turn back to the Lord is my shepherd. 
and he will provide. Can I get to the year 2010 right now? We're going through a recession. People's losing jobs. You're scared of your boss. You're scared of your co-worker. If you say one wrong thing, you might lose your job. I'm here to tell you, that's all right. Because the Lord will prepare a table for you. In the presence of your enemies. Now, I said it was a feast. But sometimes a feast might look like this. It might be a bowl of soup. Because instead of give you what you need. Sometimes I won't stay, but all I need is a bowl of soup. Sometimes I want some catfish, but all I can get is some tuna fish. But I'm so glad he prepares the table for me. And then you look how he prepares the table for you in the presence. I mean, say so he anoints your head with oil. In the time, in the Middle Eastern times, when a guest would come in, they would anoint them with oil. And that was so many equate how we will wash up before we go somewhere. They didn't have what we have now, so they would anoint that person to come and welcome them. And it became a sweet smell of fragrance in the air. Can I get to uh, talk about our Lord and Savior? He says, when you abide with me. And I abide with you. He also promised that I would send you the comforter. Oh, that oil. How the Holy Spirit can cover us. It can cover us, sustaining what? That now we are in communion. We are in fellowship. We are indwelling. We are dining together. Jesus says, Lo, I am standing at the door knocking. He wants to commune and dine with us. Uh, Many times in our New Testament, we see how Jesus was always reclining and dining with somebody. And he used all the times that when the host would not anoint him with oil, but somebody who happened to be a sinner did, he said, blessed is he, because you did not anoint me on my head nor my feet, but this woman did. You see, Jesus wants us to commune with him. And so we see how this anointing brings us into communion. But look at, look at this anointing aspect too. How the Holy Spirit has us in communion with God. How God freely gives us the Holy Spirit. I want you to catch how he freely gives us the Holy Spirit. Because it says, my cup runneth over. Which means that as he anointed him with the oil and gave him a full cup, he's basically saying, whatever is in my house is yours. Whatever is in my house is yours. Can I talk about a house to you? I heard about a house that has a beautiful, beautiful garden. The garden has two trees. Both trees have the same name. The tree of life. Oh, they're on either side of a river that comes from the throne. And, and, and in this house, Somebody told me that there's a room with many mansions. <laughs> and he said, if it was not true, I would not have told you. But he, then he told me that I go to prepare a place for you so that when I come back, I can take you to go see this place. In this house, I found out there's some peace in that house. That there's no more war. <laughs> there's no more fight. <laughs> in this house, there's joy. In this house. Now, like the world gives, 
but as he gives, our good Lord, our shepherd. And in this house, I was told that there'd be no more crying because he'll wipe all the tears from our eyes. Aren't you glad that our God tells you that you can come in my house? And everything in my house, it will belong to you. I, I, I don't think I got everybody in here. Jesus tells us that we are now heirs with him in the kingdom of God. And as the heir, everything falls to you. And our God is willing to bestow on us everything that he has. I jumped ahead of myself. Let me just jump back. Go back in Genesis. When he made the earth, he gave it to Adam. Sin messed it up. He took it away from Adam. But the new Adam came. Who became sin. Who knew no sin. To die for us who are full of sin. Just for us to begin again. Back with God. If y'all didn't find follow the poetry... All I was trying to say, what he started with Adam, he finishes in Revelation. What he started with Adam was completed in Jesus. He wanted man to dwell with him and everything that he created. Jesus came so that we can be hosted with him. As we look at this host, we see what happens. It says, surely, surely, goodness and mercy. In other words, he's saying mercy and your unfailing love. In other words, saying your compassion and your deep, uh, loving affection towards us shall follow me. Another translation, New Living says, pursue me. What's it pointing out this, that God is ensuring that his mercy and his love will be with you. It will accompany with you. We, we, you seen that commercial, right? Never leave home without it. I'm so glad I don't need a commercial. To tell me, never leave home without it, because God says, I'll never leave you without it. It says right there, surely, goodness and mercy, follow me. God is letting you know, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. God does not need a reminder, never leave home without it. God is telling you, every time you leave, I got you. He's the perfect host. He will dwell with you. And then we see here, now the cry of the psalmist. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God's goodness and his unfailing love with us has dwelled up in us as we see him as our shepherd. We see him as the great host. Some scholars suggest that David wrote this. He might have been away from the tabernacle. You know how much he loved the tabernacle. He loved it so much that he wanted to build God a house full of cedar. He said, I got a nice house, but the Lord has no house. And he wanted to build a house for the Lord. But God told him not so too many blood, too much blood is on his hands. But look, look, that did not stop, David. He still wrote out the plans. And he gave it to his son. Say, hey, you take care of this, for the Lord is uh, my shepherd. And so you see here that David has a desire to dwell with God. It says to dwell in the house of the Lord. He was pointing out that God to be in your temple is to be in your presence. To us, to us, we don't really catch that sense anymore. It's a shame. 
But yet you should dwell to come amongst the saints and realize that when I'm here, as Jesus told us, when two or three are gathered, surely I'm in the midst. We used to realize that when we come together, we used to be able to feel the presence of God. I'm going to try to leave you all alone. I'm not going to be up in that much longer. But I've got to say this. Too many times when life gets hard on us, the last place we go is the church. We too ashamed and we upset and we're not ready. But I'm here to tell you, there's no better place than be safe in his arms. Because with two or three, son, he's in a mist. And what will he do? He'll restore you. He'll revive you. He'll prepare a table for you. His right of staff will comfort you. Do you get that? Just come on in to his place. And then once you come in, you'll be just excited. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me. Because better is one day. In his course, than a thousand elsewhere. Lord, just better is one day with you than a thousand anywhere else. We need to cast that, that Lord, to be in your presence. And I'm so glad that as David, we don't have the confinement that David had, because David could only be in the presence of God when he went into the tabernacle, or how God so graciously blessed him with the Holy Spirit. But I'm so glad a consuming fire came. Oh, y'all should have been shouting. A consuming fire came and fell down out of heaven. And Jesus told us, I will send you the power from on high so that you can be my witness and do great things. Great things. I'm sorry, I just got excited. I try to calm myself down. The Holy Spirit came and gave us power to do great things. Y'all might receive that a little bit better. But now, here comes Paul and me. Do you not know that same spirit that lifted him up from the grave is also in you? Oh, death, where is thy victory? Oh, sin, where is thy sting? I'm so glad that's why no matter what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day, I can say the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm so glad. He is not just my shepherd, but he's a great host that prepares a table for me in the midst of my enemies. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength. He is my light. Whom shall I be afraid of? I'm so glad. Good God from Zion. I'm trying to leave you alone, but my soul just got happy when I think about the goodness of the Lord and all He's done for me. My soul cries out because I'm so thankful. He's been so good to me. He's been better to me than I've been to myself. I can just look back last week and realize I could be buried dead in my grave, but surely good enough by His grace and His mercy. I'm able to shout. I'm able to wave my hand. I'm able to stomp my feet. There's somebody we know that can't move on their own. There's somebody we know who can't talk on their own. There's somebody we know whose heart's not beating on their own. But I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Good God from Zion. He's real. He's real. Is He real? Go ahead and tell your neighbor. He's real. So enough, He's real.
going to sell glory. Hallelujah. Is we all right? Hallelujah. My shepherd king. My shepherd king. Go ahead and say, is your king? Say, my shepherd king. A son of say it like you mean, my shepherd king. Say it like you haven't seen him in a long time. My shepherd king. Say it like you heard him on the voice for a long time on the phone. My shepherd king. Hallelujah. Oh, oh bless him. There might be someone here.